What's up, everybody? You're listening to Salah's Corner with the one and only Salah Muhammad. So throughout the journey of this podcast, I've been recording out of Rec Philly. Um, they provided me with a lot of space and opportunity to have some great interviews, whether it was uh, elected officials, entrepreneurs, um, HR professionals, anyone who I think can progress the conversation on community. And along those lines, it's about time I finally sat down with Will Toms, who's the co-creator of Rec Philly. And we had an amazing conversation that really took us through the journey of his upbringing uh, through high school and his formative years, um, college, and ultimately the vision of Rec Philly. But also what does community mean? I think the important part that we try to talk about on this podcast is why do we need community? Why isn't community important to our success? Why is community important to make sure that we aren't just surviving, but thriving? Again, as I've taken this journey through creating this podcast, I've understood the, the difference between having a, a, a job, either punching in or out or, you know, salary management, whatever the case may be, you know, doing what you were told to do, doing what someone else's agenda is. And the difference between once you get home and actually creating something that you're truly passionate about and finding ways to make that your career, make that something that thrives. And as we break away from what the tradition of the workforce really is, not just a job, not just, you know, you punching the clock, not you taking orders from someone else and pursuing their vision, but finding ways to financially sustain yourself to pursue yours. And if you can't have that, then, you know, are we really living? So that's just something to think about as I bring you this conversation. So I've had a lot of people coming to me asking me where I find the time and the space to make all of these podcasts happen. Well, I have to thank the folks at Rec Philly. They provide me the space, the equipment and the networking capacity to make this take off. And it's not just for other podcasts. Other creative individuals use this space as well. We're talking musicians, photographers, anyone that considers themselves a creative individual. So if that's you, head over to Rec Philly. Visit them on Instagram. And if you find yourself wanting a membership, tell them Salah sent you. Well... Brother, what's up, thank man? Thank you for agreeing to do this. Um, this is a conversation that I've been wanting to have for a while because, you know, I told you that, like, I think the importance of this conversation was to make sure that I found the right intention for it because mm-hmm. I think it's something that is incredibly useful to a lot of people. Well, thank so, you, man. I appreciate it. And, thank you. You know, I'm glad to be here and, and and really excited to talk to you and, and just share stories, man. It's Got quite a few of them. So like, nice, nice. I love a, I love a good story. So let's 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 just dive into right into the mix a little bit and and tell us about what what you're doing here at Rec Philly. Yeah. So um, I am the co-founder, the chief creative officer, the visionary of an organization that we call Rec Philly, and essentially, you know, Rec Philly was birthed out of first being able to solve my own problem. Hmm. Right. I grew up as a creative kid. Always had creative friends. And I, being, you know, the communications media and economic student that I was in college, and even before that, just always kind of thinking about these bigger problems of why did a lot of people have money? Why did most of the people I know didn't have it? Right, right. right. Um, I was always gravitated towards the business side of art, right? So I always found myself um, 
you know, playing this pseudo management role to a lot of my creative friends. Mm. So it came a place in time, you know, after I got out of college, we were trying to take our, our music and our art seriously. And it was like, yo, how do we really build a livelihood around this? And we realized really quickly that it was pretty challenging here in Philly to navigate, to get connected to the opportunities we were trying to get to, right? Trying to get on that, those Live Nation stages, trying to find the money to keep paying 90 bucks an hour to go to Milk Boy, right? Yeah, and just yeah. find a community of people who were just as passionate about making money and building business as they were about the creativity, mm. right? So I couldn't find those things. And for me, it was like, okay, well, if I can't find them, I'm gonna figure out a way to, to use the resources I do have to create it. So that led us to create a warehouse space or to create a space in a warehouse in North Philly, right? And that started off in one room and we said, all right, I'm gonna put my backdrops up because at that time I was shooting music videos, creating content. My, my best friend Leonzo was, is a rapper. So it was like, okay, let's create this studio. And quickly this model of just having this space for us as creatives while we would invite our friends over, it grew. And we said, okay, if you guys wanna hang out here, pitch up on the rent, we can keep doing this thing. And fast forward about two and a half years, we birthed this membership program and said, hey, we're not the only ones who need these tools. We're not the only ones who wanna have these conversations we're having about the business side. And um, we're not the only ones that understand the importance of collaboration. So what Rec Philly is, you know, today, we think of it as a gym membership for creative people, mm. right? And, and we think of it that way because when you get ready to, to join a gym, it's really because, hey, I know I wanna get fit, right? I have some goal I wanna accomplish. At the gym, they've got all the tools for you to do that, right? The exercise equipment. You also go to the gym because you understand that, hey, well, maybe even if I don't understand everything about the workout routines, there's someone there that can probably right. help me and guide me in the right direction. And third, there's that social accountability of when I pull up to the gym, it's a little easier to get my workout in when I look to the left and the right and I see these guys going hard, right? So that for us was like, well, where's the environment for that in the creative space? So we created it. Um, so that's what we do. And then right alongside of this gym membership model, we also run a boutique creative agency. And that allows us to work with brands of all sizes from Lyft to Red Bull. And specifically we do three things, one being event production, two being content creation, digital storytelling, um, and three being talent booking. Mm. And the beauty of those three services specifically, it allows us to come right back over into our incubator, right, the, the, the membership, and then work with those folks to execute these projects to be able to pay our members to do what they love. You know, I, I love the idea of uh, a gym membership for creatives because yeah. I often find myself sometimes at home when I can't, you know, make it to, you know, to wreck, honestly, to do a little bit of work, or I can't make it to the coffee shop where I see another bunch of people doing work, and I don't, I get a, a fraction done sitting yeah. on a couch in front of my laptop than when I'm able to get done when I'm surrounded by and, other creative people. Right, and, and that's the power of environment, Yeah, right? And, I, and I'm a firm believer in environment, and as I designed this space, I, I did a lot of research and learning around architecture mm. and the understanding of what happens to a person when you can create an environment for something to get done, right? When I was a kid, my, I was raised with my grandmother. My grandmother used to always tell me, if you want to see something happen, you have to create the space for it to happen. Yeah. Right. So she'd be like, I can't tell you to not bounce the ball in the house if you don't got nowhere outside where you can bounce the ball. Because mm. kids are always going to bounce the ball. Absolutely. Right. They're going to bounce the shit out of that ball. So that's that's that whole thing. And then the other reason I really love the gym membership analogy is you don't get fit by just signing up for the gym. Yeah. You got to use it and you got to put in the work. And I think that helps click for a lot of folks mm -hmm. where it's like, yeah, the resources and the education can be there all day. But if I don't do nothing with it, you know. 
I'm gonna stay where I'm at. Exactly. So let, let's. You said you grew up with your uh, grandmother. Did you grow mm-hmm. up in uh, Philly? Yeah. So essentially, uh, I started, you know, my my childhood, and then you know, up through most of grade school in Philly, and you know, from Germantown, and after kind of you know the Philly inner city life, you know, I've had. You know, my mother battling drug addiction. My father's been mm. incarcerated for the past 22 years. You know, um, you know, I've seen some of my uncles be murdered at the age of 16. Um, so quickly, my grandmother knew. Going back to that environment piece, she was like, "Yo, we're gonna find you a high school outside the city that we can really put you in the right space to be successful." I've always been a young, bright kid, but she was like, "Yo, if we can get this environment piece right, you're gonna be great." Um, so I went to high school just north of the city in Bucks County. Mm. Um, but you know, church always been in the city. I, I'm a, I'm a Philly kid for sure. Yeah, yeah. Going back to that that moment of, of finding that right high school or that right environment for you, mm-hmm. was do, do you look back at that moment as being that crucial experience um, that you needed to, to, to get on this path? Um, in a way, right? Because, look, you know, kid, and as a kid, you look up to your parents, you look up to yeah. those in your environment, right? So I think one of the things that she knew was, if I stayed in my neighborhood, you know, knowing who, you know, my father and who my uncles were in the neighborhood, she was like, yo, I don't need you glorifying the things that they've done. I don't need you trying to, you know, follow in their footsteps and be able to outdo them and carry torches, right, and things like that. So going out there was a blessing for me because what it allowed me to do was just be around other minds like mine, right? Because mm. I've always been in a space where it's like, yo, like, my mind has always been somewhere else. So for me to be in an environment that nurtured that instead of being in an environment where I'm on the bus and motherfuckers laughing because I'm reading books, right? right? Like right, right. <laughs> it was it was really good for me. And then the second piece is, you know, I, I built two of my best relationships out there in, in that high school, two of my best friends till today, right? One mm-hmm. being my business partner, Dave Silver. You know, we met in 10th grade. Uh, the other being my brother, Leonzo. Uh, who's the founder of a company called Global Village. Love Global Village. You know? Yeah, yeah so we all actually... Uh, we met in high school and, nice. and have been long-term friends since then. So I think that was the most pivotal thing for me and just being able to, to really choose my friends and design my environment to create the things I wanted to create. Let, let's, let's, I'd like to talk a little bit more about that because I can imagine, though, as a, as, as a kid in high school, you know, you talk about that, right? Like you riding the bus and you know, mm-hmm. getting clown for, for reading books. Or, yeah, I was, a, I was a nerd. Or I, likewise. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, like, but I was a cool nerd, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like I had a way of, yeah, the charisma was there, but like for real, for real, I, I was a nerd. <laughs> but, that, but that had to be hard though, right? Because you, yeah. you, you know, you're living in two different worlds basically. 100%. And, and how, did, how, does, how does somebody survive that? Yeah, man, I think that's, that's a really good observation, man. I, I definitely live that, that life of, you know the alien right because yeah. i was you know and this is the cliche right you're you're too art too artsy for the hood kids too hood for the artsy mm-hmm. kids right or or vice versa however you want to look at it um and for me that was just really difficult because i'm going to a school now in a predominantly white high school they never seen anybody who looked like me who then talked like me thought like me right could move and, and carry themselves in a certain way they had all these preconceived notions as if you know black people ain't doing the damn thing out here like we've always been mm-hmm. and, and and things like that um but then at the same time you know the alienation of like in my family i have a a, a different perception as well right because i'm moving a little bit different i'm talking a little bit mm-hmm. different right and things like that um so yeah i had to deal with that but but i think it helped me build thick skin early and um you know build my confidence as an individual um and just learn how to navigate in any circle with any walk of life where now i i'm really you know, I think since early I've been that social butterfly where I could walk in any room and be able to move um, and, and still be able to navigate for what I needed to. 
it, I, I'm glad you 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 went in that direction because I think I, I remember growing up. I don't know how um, old you are. I'm 28. Um, okay. Um. Um. So we're we're not too far. I'm 33, mm-hmm. and it was you know. You were clowned if you were if you. I had glasses too, so I was okay. like a, I was yeah. like a nerd. nerd. <laughs> um, and but you were you were clowned for being smart, right? Yeah. Like you were clowned for for getting good grades. Yeah. You were clowned for just like being in class on time, right? Yeah. You know, Bro, little, I, little dumb I grew, shit like that. I grew up in the public library. Yeah, you feel yeah. me? So like to be doing that, hey, bro, we gonna go ball? Oh, uh, well, you know what I'm saying. My girl said I gotta go to the library, yeah. bro. Like, come on, <laughs> that you know what I mean? That yeah. don't fly. Uh, so yeah, I definitely I, I know what that's like. How did that impact you as you got later in life, right? Because mm-hmm. I can imagine as I as I grew up later in life, and I started working in spaces that were predominantly white spaces, mm-hmm. and I started to, you know, oh you you uh you you one of them. Ah, uh-huh. <laughs> how did, did did that ever? Uh, uh, when you say you one of them, is that like the what? What do you say a little bit more about that? You you. You one of them brothers. You ain't you ain't a brother yeah. brother. You a you a yeah. vanilla brother. Oh like word. You, you you. Yeah, I always got the yeah. You talk white. I've yeah. always got the um um. How would they put it? Yeah, but yeah, they, I've always got that. And um, you know, for me, when I was really young, that bothered me. You know, a lot, right? And it was almost this pl- place in time where I wanted to almost overcompensate. But then as I got older and I started to be able to again navigate these spaces. I flipped that on its head, man, and, and it wasn't about. I started to understand, you know, there is no such thing as talking white. We're either yeah. <laughs> we're either articulate or we're not, right? Right. But then the funny thing is, even now today, right? I, I'm, I'm dabbling into more and more public speaking and things like that, mm. and then I get the opposite, where it's like people come at me, especially you know, people not of color, where like I get off the stage and I'll be like, "Oh man, you're so articulate," mm. and I'm like. You too. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, would you expect, would you expect, right? For, for a black guy, you real, real right. smart. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I've always had to, you know, understand people's perceptions of me versus what the truth is. Um, and I think, you know, I'm at a place in, in time now where I've learned none of that matters. Yeah. So I'm going to just do me. And um, fortunately, I've been able to do it well enough. Um, so it doesn't matter. Right. And I think that that's the one thing I, I think in, in high school having to navigate these circles and, and having to deal with that sort of stuff. I've always had the experience of having to be twice as good as, as my counterpart who doesn't look like me, right? All throughout, you know, school to college. That's always been our experience, right? We got to work three times as hard to get half as much. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually once I got, you know, beyond those institutions, I just kept going three times as hard. So mm-hmm. now I... I win three times as much. Nice, I love that. Um, so you, you, you leave high school. Um, mm-hmm. Where did you go from there? So I left high school, um, and and again, I loved I loved school. Right, I was I was that kid like yeah. hyped to go to school. Part of it because I knew the importance of ed- of education, and that I knew that was my way out. Um, and then second, because that was my almost my escape, right, from all the realities as a young person that I was dealing with. It was like, yo, if I get to school and I'm in these books, I'm not thinking about how much I miss my pop. I'm not thinking about how my mom didn't come through for my birthday. I'm not thinking about all these things. Um, and this is me, obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Right. I wasn't thinking consciously about that in that time. But it, you you recognize it as a space where you can leave your problems at the door. Exactly that, right? Yeah. If, I, if I excel here, none of the other stuff matters, right? right? Um, but after high school, I went out um, to the Indiana University of Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, I studied communications media, uh, which is all about, you know, production, TV production, film, et cetera. And then I had a minor in economics, which was really out of just like personal interest, right? Yeah. Again, I wanted to understand how money worked, understand why most people had it and why the people I knew didn't. Um, so I studied that. And when I studied communications media, I did believe that I was going to go into broadcasting. I thought I was going to be producing TV. I thought I was potentially even going to be on the front side of TV. Um, but once I got to school, I fell in love with production. So I still did that. But really, I, I fell in love with the creative process. And um, I just really love to make things and tell yeah. stories. So long story short, you know, in college, I'm really, really involved. Again, I love school. So I'm like running the TV studio and directing and producing TV shows. But then I'm also really involved with my fraternity and, and running social events, you know, and then doing all these other extracurricular things. Um, Setting the groundwork for Rec Philly. Yeah, yeah, real talk. And, um, you know, throwing those events in the basement mm -hmm. of my fraternity where, hey, my artist friends, yo, you guys should come and, and perform here, right? I got 200 people that's gonna be in the basement, 300 people that'll be in the basement tonight. So that was kind of the groundwork there while Dave is simultaneously doing that same thing over at Temple. Mm -hmm. Right. And we're on Skype writing business plans together. Right. Doing the whole thing. Um, and we've been doing that since high school. Like that's just like the stuff that was fun to us. Um, but anyway, long story short, after IUP, well, during IUP, I got to intern um, for NBC Universal. And this was early. I got that internship set up at like sophomore year, really dove into that. But that internship was such a pivotal experience because that's when I got to work in news and I realized instantly how much I hated everything that had to do with news, from what they covered, the working culture, the speed and the pace of it. And I was like, yo, if I ever have to work in any environment like this, it's a dub. Mm. And that's what really lit my fire for my own personal creative production, started going harder with the art and things like that, because I knew I loved the creative process, I loved media, and I also knew the power of it, but I knew that news wasn't it. So that helped me really understand, yo, when I get back to Philly, I'm shooting music videos. When I get back to Philly, I'm creating content, I'm creating marketing promo materials and things like that. Um, and then doing that really set the tone for the company that we built right after college. I, I can imagine, one, that, that's powerful insight to be able to recognize at an early age that this just is not for mm -hmm. me. Like this industry just isn't for me. Mm -hmm. But then also to, you know, what you're going after is, isn't the traditional. Right. And and you're you know you're breaking ground and and, and, and changing what what a career path is is going to be. It's not mm -hmm. you know you punching in the clock and just going Straight at it. Up. Like how do you? Yeah. How, how do you manage that? So I think the one of the blessings um, that I've always been fortunate enough to have is a praying grandmother. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, you know I'm a preacher's kid. When I grew up, you know my grandmother was a minister. Um, so in my house, you couldn't say I can't. Mm. You know what I mean? And um, so when it came down to me having big ambitious goals, there was no if and safety plan. It was, yo, you could be whatever you wanna be. And um, again, that's a piece of environment as well. And um, early, and you know, and I've even had conversations with uh, my grandparents where like, they'd even tell me, they were like, yo, you might not finish college. You might get into a space where like, you're gonna be doing something so great, somebody's gonna wanna snatch you up to help them build their business, right? Or you might just have the idea that you wanna do it on your own. And you know, we didn't have money, we just had tons of love, so it was like, it wasn't coming from this place of like, oh, you're good, you're comfortable forever. It was coming from a place of like, yo, we just believe. And I think, um, you know, I caught that bug of belief as well, and you know, I just, 
I just had the faith to say, yo, and, and honestly, I think I'm grateful for the upbringing I had and, and, and coming from where I come from. Cause like when you hear all these stories about startups and people being like, I'm bootstrapping, yeah. you know what I'm saying? I'm grinding, eating oodles and noodles. I'm like, oh, well that's familiar for me. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. I know what that's about. I love oodles and noodles, You right? feel me? <laughs> um, so for me, it was just like, yeah, that, that belief was instilled in me from young, um, just because of my faith and and then after that the vision was clear yeah yeah what kind of parties was you uh throwing at temple <laughs> <laughs> um so again I'm, i went to iup so we threw all my first parties were there and then when i came home from iup to philly teamed up with dave mm-hmm. we took over his, his fraternity basement and um we was having all types of parties you yeah. know parties <laughs> concerts we had a lot of fun. Nice. I'll just I'll just put it like that. We had a <laughs> that, lot of fun. That's that's, that's fair. <laughs> uh, I well, I'll just wish I was there. And, you know, <laughs> it's definitely some moments. Um, so then you know, you and Dave really kept in touch through the years. To yeah, always. you know, from high school through college, even when you were separate. Mm-hmm. What? How did you recognize that that kinship? Mm-hmm. Um, how did you? I, I, a lot a lot of people look for like that partner that they yeah. can they can go they can go in with mm-hmm. and you found that early early how did you how did how do you maintain that and uh, yeah. through the years and today yeah so you know again we met in high school um and honestly the universe just put us in that space you know my last name and his last name are close in the alphabet so we always you know we ended up weirdly having like that sophomore year we had like three or four classes together which is really weird for you know when you have rotation classes or whatever right um but we always ended up sitting near each other and there was a group project in chemistry and um we had to create a video and we did a project mentos and soda and yeah. just through the project and i don't even think we we really um followed the, the exact prompts on how it was supposed to happen um but through working together on that project, we realized really early, we were like, yo, our working styles are so complementary, mm. right? What you love and what you are really good at is very balanced of what I love and what I'm very good at. And also culturally, we grew a lot of respect for each other because we came from totally different worlds. Right. But like deep down, we, we had the same North Star of where we were trying to go. And um, I think we just really appreciated that early on and it was almost just like infatuation. I'm like, I'm trying to learn how to eat, how he's moving and how his family does things. He's trying to you know, understand how I'm moving and where I'm coming from, how my family does things. And then when we really started connecting off creating, um, it was just, I don't know, we both just kind of hit our stride, right? Just figuring ourselves out, you know, we're now, oh, let's create short films. Okay, let's just create these business plans for these t-shirt companies. Let's, you know, build business plans for these media companies. And when we went away to college, we just never really skipped a beat. It was like, yo, it's Saturday, bro. We gonna hit the Skype because we gotta get these t-shirts out. I'm mm-hmm. selling the shirts in IUP, he's selling the shirts out in, in, nice. in Temple. Um, and we just knew early, we were like, yo, bro, we're gonna go off to college, we're gonna do this stuff, but we're gonna build this creative business. We're gonna be able to build the environment to always be around creative people. And we're gonna be able to really live our lives through what we wanna do. And we're gonna help other people do that too. And that was way before the actual business model of rec was a thing but that was always the vision and everything every decision we made after that was always about getting us closer to that vision um so you know that's kind of how the foundation of it started and then now as adults and you know we had some success with broad street music group then we pivoted to rec and found more success with that it was just like yo we're really on to something yeah you know and and i think the most beautiful thing ever is that 
if I think back to the conversations we were having as 16 year olds in the parking lots of, you know, churches where we'd just be freestyling with the homies, who we were as 16 year olds would be incredibly proud of who we are now because it's literally the things we were talking about and doing. Um, and I just think, you know, our, our friendship has always just been built off this mutual, here's where we're trying to get to. We have lots of respect for each other's skills, but also each other's weaknesses. And um, I think one of the things we've done better than, than most partnerships I've seen is we, we have a good knack for just removing the ego to, mm. get, to get the vision accomplished. How do right? you do that? That's hard. I mean, I mean, we've been through a lot together, right? Yeah. Like, it's been my boy since we were 15, 16 years old. Yeah. So it's like, you know, when you're 10, 11, 12 years deep, you know, I think we've always just seen the best in each other. You know, even through all the, the bullshit, even through all of the challenges, it's like, nah, I know who you are for real, for real. So it's like, yo, it, you, it, we're not afraid to pull that coattail. Hey, bro, come on, what what, what are we doing this for, right? Mm. Like, hey, bro, I, I see what you were trying to do here, but you ain't really hit the mark, right? And um, yeah, that's just real like brotherhood, you yeah. know, for me. And I think that's really got us through because tell you man I ain't perfect I've, I've made a lot of mistakes and and um, I think the best thing is having people like Dave or my boy Leonzo who can just hold me high instead of being like talking down and be, you ain't doing this you ain't doing that it's all about hey bro you ain't doing this but the person I know you to be should be doing that right and that's that has a way of just snapping you back to be like oh damn I lost focus right right but yeah man. when you and and I'd say it this way it's just we've you know what, the thing that made us click, and I never really put it this way until now, I've never thought about it this way, it's just early on, we, I think we may have been the first people in each other's lives that had the growth mindset. Hmm. When we were in circles of people who didn't have it, once we saw that in each other, we were like, whoa, that thing? And me, him, and Leonzo always shared that, and I think we always just wanted to stay close to that. You were, you were placed in each other's lives, the three of you, and mm -hmm. when you needed it most, mm -hmm. and, and, well and took advantage of that. Well said. Um, so. you, you talk a lot about giving that creative space for other creatives, right? Yeah. Um, and that seems to be something you keep going back to, whether mm -hmm. it was putting on shows, whether it was, you know, what we're doing today here mm -hmm. at REC. Um, where, where does that calling come from? Uh, that calling for me, it started off with, again, solving my own problem, right? One of the most challenging things I ever faced um, early on was, you know, when my uncle was murdered. Right, mm -hmm. and and as a four or five year old kid, uh, who's looks looking up to your sixteen year old uncle, I didn't know how to process that. You know what I'm saying? So like that loss was crazy for me, and then the loss of you know my mother when 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 she was like, yo, I can't handle this, right? And she kind of gave up that responsibility to take care of me, and my father going away. All I had was art. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? All I had was my poetry to be able to just write the things that I really didn't feel like I had space to express. So for me, I always understood the power of art and media. And I'm like, yo, if I don't got a dollar to my name, I know my story's valuable. If I don't got nothing like, like for me, like even being able to like, just go somewhere to just dance for a night, right? Yeah. I knew what that meant. It wasn't just about going to the party. It was about really just getting shit off you, right? Like. I remember times I go to Wow and I would hear "Dance My Pain Away," uh, right? I and like, Wow, right? <laughs> and to hear "Dance My Pain Away" was like that was a saving grace, yeah. right? Like, so for me, I was like, damn, like, as people of color, as black people, bro, like, the only reason we can ever really have this joy in this whole ecosystem of the system we're living in is because we can express ourselves and connect. Um, so for me, it was like, well, 
what would it look like if if we could empower people to one get to know themselves through the art because that's what it does yes but then two to have ownership of the intellectual property we create when we express because it's already valuable but we just need to have the means to protect it and then to market it and, and be able to distribute it um without needing to give it to the label to do it for us to tell us how valuable it is and things like that and and lose your identity in the process because we need that that art too to understand who we are and if we sell it to the label we've Mm -hmm. lost who we are Mm. you know that's interesting yeah man that's it um so i want to talk a little bit more about that that necessity to to create and to to create that space for for other people because you know, as I as I've gone through this process of, of creating the podcast, it was it was through that understanding of working in other spaces mm. around other creative individuals that I recognized that I needed it for me to yeah. be able to create to to, to self express. Um, how do you reach other people to? Because I didn't know I needed it until mm-hmm. I had it. Right. So that's a really good question, and that's something that I've I've wrestled with a lot through the journey. Um, you know, I, I think as a visionary and, and, and so, as someone who's built a model that's very new, the challenge is how do you get creative people who are used to one way of being and creating mm-hmm. to understand the power of something that they are unfamiliar with, especially if they don't have a reference point, Yeah. right? Um, the model is deeply rooted in resource sharing, right? The model is deeply rooted in community. So if folks are coming from a place of scarcity, which... I did most of us come from yes it's hard to even fathom like wait what people are out here sharing tools people are out here sharing skills people are here sharing information it's almost too good to be true right so the challenge for me was how do I put it in language and put it into a way where people are open enough to come in and experience it and then if it's for you just know it's for you right so you know I'm still figuring that out now to be honest but um, I think the best thing that I've been able to do at least I would like to believe is I tried to just be it, you know, and, and, and show up as a, a loving, connecting leader, right? And in hopes that people would see it and be like, I don't know why this guy's always happy, but he seems happy. He seems like a good guy. He seems like he knows where he's, what he's doing and where he's going um, in hopes that they would say, okay, well, let me give this a shot. Mm. And uh, I, I'd like to believe that most times when people give it a shot, they're like, well, where's this been my whole life? You speak very highly of yourself, and I mean that in a not in a uh, you know some people take that as a ah you fool yourself you sure just, you know you blowing smoke up your ass kind of mentality. But you mm-hmm. you know you've called yourself a leader, you call yourself a visionary. Can you talk about like just yeah. that point of reference for self? Yeah. So wow, and one I mean thank you for calling that out, um, and and I appreciate you saying that because I had to work on that, bro. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like that wasn't always the truth for me you know I honestly you know my default for a long time was putting others first and 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 not that I don't do that now but like almost this I would lower myself to make other people comfortable and to bring it back to kind of how we started the conversation we talk about navigating predominantly white spaces Mm -hmm. right my survival tactic was how do I make sure everyone else in this room is extremely comfortable right and that was my means of of surviving right um, and what that does, though, is essentially you start to lower yourself and your being and you raise other people. Um, so I had to come to and I had to do some of the inner work to really be confident in who I am. And the reason that now I'm so willing to say, yo, I am a leader and, and I am a visionary is because 
I used to think not calling myself these things um, was good for the, the room. But then I started realizing when I don't name these things, when I don't move in that energy, when I don't show up as my full self and who I am, I almost come off as arrogant, mm. right? Because I'm not being conscious of the role I play in the space, right? So for example, like if we're all in a room and we're talking about you know challenges we're trying to get through and people are perceiving me to have certain resources and or a certain skill set and I'm sitting there and I'm too humble to want to offer my opinion. Yeah. People are looking at me like, "Well, bro, you could easily help us solve this problem, but why aren't you saying anything? Are we not good enough or right, you think you're right, better than us?" Right. And I started realizing I'm like, "Damn, I'm thinking I'm humble and doing this, but really I'm disrespecting my place in the space." Yeah. So I'm just like, "Yo, like, you know, I've I've done the work to to be a leader, so I got to just own that shit. I got to own it." Yeah. You know? I've done the work to build this vision. Well, I've been given a vision, but I've done the work to clarify and articulate it. So it's like, I gotta own that. Um, And honestly, I think for me, I know that that's what our community needs more of. And I'm learning more and more over time that like our people wanna be led. And most of us, unfortunately, don't know what it looks like to have a real leader with a heart, right? With a gift. so I'm just trying to play my part in this whole thing. And uh, I would hope that I do what I think the best leaders do, which is to to be a leader that builds more leaders. I think for me, if I don't name it, if I don't claim it, I pass up the opportunity for all the young people watching that are inherently leaders to feel comfortable enough to claim it too. You feel me? So it's like, that's why it's so important. Like, Because at the end of the day, there are so many young people, but if they don't have someone in there that looks like them, that they look up to, that they appreciate, who could really just embody that, they'll just use that power for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I just want to be that person where it's like, yo, me just existing is good for my people because they get to see somebody do it. You know, that's what I kind of hope to be. Um, Our community, Philly is, is at least from my my exposure to the city. I'm, I mean, I'm born and raised in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And the entire city has always operated on that scarcity mindset like you talked about, right? Unfortunately. You know, especially from a creative perspective, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's like I got up and I was able to make my moves mm-hmm. and then I just left Philly behind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, that's that's a common thing. It yeah. is, man. And it's, 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 it's frustrating for me because I see it. Like, I yeah. see different people um have that have been successful and left the city mm-hmm. and you know they 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 don't bring the community with them yeah. or they don't bring their network even with them yeah i mean so i don't when i i'm a, i'm gonna speak on that and when i speak on it it's not even coming from a place of like hating on them for doing it cuz yeah, i no. get it i just think the thing was they chose they felt that the environment that they could become more successful in was outside of the city mm. right and i get it right yo scarcity scarcity i made it well, I don't want other people to try to bring me down. I want to go be where other people are successful. So therefore, that's the environment for me. Um, but I wish more people stayed to try to create the environment here. Um, that was my choice, right? I could have easily got out of college and say, yo, I'm going to move to New York and I'm going to blow up and do my thing there or I'm going to be successful in an agency in L.A. But I'm just like, but I love Philly. Right. And I love my people. And I love how talented we are. So I wanted to craft the environment, but you know, different strokes for different folks. But I'm with you. I, I would have. I wish that more people stay right, and even you know, we're going to take it a little bit in a different direction. But 
the whole, we all know our city's changing, right? Every single neighborhood is changing and it's changing quickly. And a lot of times folks talk about how other people that don't look like us are coming in and taking it away from us. And I think there's truth in that, but I think, uh, I believe what like Killer Mike's perspective is on this. And he says, it's not that white people are taking our neighborhoods from us, it's that we're giving them away because when we get to a certain place where we get some education, we start to get that job where we can make some money, we then get disrespectful about what our parents did to stay in those neighborhoods, so we decide to move other places. Right. And then right. the fact of the property value goes down because we don't care about right. what our parents did. We don't care about our neighborhoods because we are looking up to other places, et cetera. So for me, it's like, we gotta stay here and do it because if we don't, who will? Right. That's why eventually, man, I'm gonna go back and buy those properties in Germantown where my family yeah. you know, raised me, so. So I, I say that to say, Rec-Philly ain't, uh, it ain't ever gonna be no uh, rec. I don't know what's a what's a what's another neighborhood outside of Philly or like somewhere else. Oh no, rec, well rec, nope. rec New York. I disagree. So no, man, the the vision is absolutely to go beyond Philadelphia. Mm. Rec Philly will always be the big thriving hub. It'll be the 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 what do you want to call it? The flagship. Yeah. But I do believe that in solving this problem here, I don't think I just solved the Philly problem. Yes. I believe I solved a, an inner city a, a city problem worldwide. So I'll tell you right now, man, you know, we, for the first time, raised funding to be able to make this place possible, right? Here at Ninth and Market in the gallery. Well, the fashion, fashion district, district, but it's the gallery to us. <laughs> um, but I'll, I'll tell you now, man, in about six to nine months, we're going to go and raise another round, and I'm going to take this model, and I want to take it to places like D.C. and build a rec D.C. I want to build a rec Austin. I want to build a rec Atlanta um, for two re- and And one reason, excuse me, is because... For us as creative entrepreneurs, we have the blessing to be able to build our businesses online, right? This content will go online, you'll build an audience online. Not just Philly people are gonna listen. So at some point in time, you'll have the opportunity to take this show on the road and do live podcasts in front of people in other cities. And I would like to create spaces there where it's simpler for you to do that knowing that there's a wreck in DC where there's like-minded people waiting for you, there's resources there waiting for you, right? And the community is already there. Um, so that's the vision. My vision is to build this international network of these interdependent, independent creatives that don't need to rely on these institutions, don't need to rely on these other systems because we got each other. But we've get, been able to have the tools to connect in meaningful ways with the directory, with the Jobs and Opportunity Board and things like that. Um, but when we do that, by no means am I going to go to D.C. and be like, I'm the creative guy here. Yeah. Right. It's no. Here's what we just did in Philly. We found a model that works. Who's already doing the work here? And let's figure out how we can build this together because it's bigger than both of us. Mm. So, yeah, 10 years from now, man, you better believe we're talking, you know, 30 cities around the world to have rec hubs in them. Mark this interview down 10 years from now. That's it. That's what's going to happen. Mark it down and, and it's going to happen because we said so. What's um, one last question and what's a what's a piece of advice that you would have for that person that's starting right mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm whatever creative venture I'm, I'm pursuing um but today is day one for me mm-hmm. what's 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 that piece of advice you would give Whew, how much time we got <laughs> like, no. um the first piece of advice if you are a creator listening to this you're sitting there you're like i have this idea i want to go do this thing um my first piece of advice is you better believe it I think the thing that's different with me and other people that I see attempt things 
is they say they believe in the thing they're doing, but they really deep down don't. And, and I understand why, because it's the hardest thing ever to do when the world tells you what you're capable of. For you to define that for yourself is really challenging, but you have to believe it. And if I had to make that more tangible, I would suggest a couple books. Mm-hmm. Um, one, I would suggest As a Man Thinketh, right? Um, that is an incredible book, um, and it's all about the power of our thoughts and how thoughts become things. And um, that one in like the book, Think and Grow Rich, those are books that I read really, well, I read Think and Grow Rich first. I read it really early and it just shifted my perspective on how I live my life. Um, But again, it starts with like the belief that you can, because what happens is if you don't believe you can, you don't do the things that allow you to actually get closer to the goal. You start to do the self-sabotaging things. You start to set yourself up for failure subconsciously. So it's about first know what you want and believe it. And that'll lead you to, to do the research to make it possible. It'll lead you to, to build the behaviors that'll make it possible. Um, and I really believe that when you believe something and you claim it and you put it in the universe, the universe has a way of responding and bringing you the things that you need to make it come to fruition. This has been a dope uh, conversation. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, man. Will. Yeah, man. I, I appreciate you. Appreciate you giving me the platform to, to talk my talk. Thank you. <laughs> if I am creator day mm-hmm. one, mm-hmm. you know, I, I now believe in my vision. Day mm-hmm. two, where am I going? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, day two, day two, uh, you believe in it. Day two, you're going to go follow the people who are doing similar things that you want to do and learn. Um, and if you want to follow me and just f- be a part of the journey and, 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 you know, pick up the gems, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at the Will Toms. That's T-H-E, Will, T-O-M-S. Follow me. Follow Rec Philly at REC Philly. And if you're in the, the Philadelphia region or in the tri-state and you want to be a part of our community and what we're doing, our community of creative entrepreneurs, go to recphilly.com, check out what's happening, schedule a tour. Uh, I really believe you can't really grasp what we're doing until you're in it. So recphilly.com, at the Will Toms on all social media, and uh, keep creating, yeah. Thank you, Will. Once again, I want to thank Will Toms for uh, sitting down finally with me. Uh, So for the record, I put this conversation off. I think I mentioned that through the interview, but I put this conversation off for months, mostly because I wanted to make sure we were able to navigate the conversation and bring you substance Um, because that's always the goal, right? It's not just sitting down with random people that I find that I think is going to be entertaining Um, Because sometimes what I think might be entertaining may not necessarily be entertaining for you. And what can you gain out of that conversation? What is something that's going to be conducive to this community, the community of Salas Corner? Thank you, Will. Thank you for always tuning in. And just some really, really big news. I have a huge live podcast event coming up. It is my very first live podcast. It's going to be February 12th at Amalgam Comics and Coffee House. Uh, check it out on my website check it out on my instagram where you can rsvp it is a free community event Uh, we'll be sitting down with a number of elected officials uh, in the city uh, and it's all about 2020 census uh, education how people can find jobs all of that is going to be included in the conversations again it's my first live podcast event i'm super uh, excited about bringing this type of community event to you and The success of this and hopefully the next event that I do uh, hinges on how how great we can make this event. So check it out. 
Salah's Corner is recorded out of Rec Philly. It is a space for creative individuals. It's produced by producer extraordinaire Bree Wilson and features music from Delgado. For more of my work, please visit salahscorner.com. And until next time, peace, y'all.